Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Connection. This week, round three of the Six Nations. France, absolutely dominant in Scotland. England hold their own against Wales. And Ireland beat a less numbered Italy, shall we say. Lads, how are we getting on? Who wants to go first? Um, <laughs> it's a bit awkward there. Um, <laughs> no, um, I'll go first. I'm all right, I'm all right. Um, yeah, big win yesterday. Um, quite tight. It was. I did sort of have my heart in my heart, in my mouth towards the end of it. But um, no, nah, I think um, big win gets us back on track and hopefully gives us just a little bit of momentum heading into a bit of a tough next game. Yeah, we shall see. Sean, how are you getting on? Yeah, no, I'm very good. Thanks, Murray. Um, look at uh, obviously Ireland played Italy today, and we got the win. And I'm sure, there'll be a lot more talking points more than that uh, when we get onto it. But um, no, look, happy, happy that we got the win, and I'm not so bad. So, how are you, Murray? Well, I'm not as happy as you boys, but that's fine. <laughs> but we'll dive straight into it. Scotland um, versus France, all the line, all the Lions Cup at Murrayfield. By the way, Sean, you were right about the French fans. They are wild. Like I was, I had to keep reassuring myself. It wasn't Edinburgh. It wasn't in Paris. <laughs> they were loud. They were rowdy. They were right up for it. Mm. And France are going to win the Grand Slam. Absolutely, they were un, they were untouchable. I mean, the man in front of uh, Kyle that sits in front of me, Harlem Globetrotters esque from France. Um, Scotland wore their own enemies at some points in the game. I mean. Letting DuPont run basically the length of the pitch in the first five minutes. Chris Harris having an absolute melt when there was a dodgy kick and he put his hand out as a natural reaction. So then France got the ball back. Duhan van der Marva bought her fingers just because he wasn't ready. And of course, Stuart Hogg. <laughs> bring, him back, bring him back the tape from Ireland a few years ago. And yeah. On the plus side, Rory Darge. Absolutely fantastic first start for Scotland. Didn't look out of place at all, and he's definitely one to watch going forward. Massive shout out to some previous guests we've had on the show. Jamie Hodgson getting his first Six Nations match for Scotland, and Andy Christie making his full Scotland debut. So well done, lads. But yeah, wasn't our day. France is too strong across the board. Yeah, well done, France. Blah, blah, blah. And shout out to the lovely French man at the end who we spoke about for about five minutes. We swapped tops and I walked home with this bad boy. So, Ooh. merci. Well, the question is... Go on then. Sorry, I was going to say, which jersey did he get, Murray? Which Scotland jersey? Right. So traditionally, I usually wear like an older jersey as a base layer. Yeah. This time I didn't, so you got my old Scotland fleece. Okay. Fair trade. Yeah. I was about to say, um, Scotland, what's that, 2007, 2008? It's definitely probably one of my more like wanted ones in my collection. So I've got oh. France 2011 from the World Cup, but that 2007 one is uh, c'est magnifique. Yes. Oui, oui. <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> oh, French guys to this, Matt. Any questions on the game in hand? Sean, you have any? Yeah, I suppose my kind of question, I'll follow, I'll follow it up uh, with an observation first. Um, one thing I noticed from France is that I think they're far superior than all of the other teams in terms of their skill level. 
I think yeah. especially one kind of more of a specific part of their skill is for me is keeping the ball alive. They're just so good at it. I mean, like you know the way you look at like kind of teams who like who who are traditionally known to do it, like Fiji, they often have a lot of knock-ons. Well, not a lot, but obviously it's it's natural. Like you're, when you're throwing the keeping the ball alive that much, you're gonna have knock-ons. But the way France did it, they seemed to have very few knock-ons and like their hands were just excellent on the receiving end. Um and I, I think it is it looks seems hard to stop. Did it feel like a bit like that for you for you, Murray, when you were there? Like that it was kind of like a bit unstoppable at times. In the second half, yeah, absolutely. Mm. I mean, the first try in the second half, you and it started angering me. There was a chip and chase. Hog had it. Duhan was right up Hog's arse. I'm like, right, somebody just claim it. Like, you would know yourselves. Call, make a call. The other one drops back. Neither of them called for it. Clashed into each other. The ball bounced. And big bad Jonathan Dante gets an easy walk in. You hate to see it. But, yeah. And you know what? You made Damien Pinot look really good as well, which is not goal care in my books. <laughs> Unless that wouldn't make it into a uh, wouldn't make it into a uh, fast line rugby team with uh, the way that he handles the ball, but um, <laughs> I think um, I think what I want to ask is basically, do you think France is probably one of the also the most well balanced teams? Um, you know, like I think you know most of their most of what we mentioned is in their backs. You know, they're Dupont, uh, Ontomac, Fiku, uh, Peno. Do you think you know they're a completely just well-balanced team you know they've got the same quality in the forwards that they do in the back line absolutely I mean I actually forgot Julian Marchand started the game and Pierre Mavaco came off the bench so when I heard it I was like oh god like, it makes no difference like they're that good and Cameron Wolkey we've mentioned him a good few times he is he is going to be special and the one I, that I deem as the one that got away Gregory Aldrich Magnifique. <laughs> Some, yeah. sim- simple, but yeah, France just far too strong. Scotland didn't help themselves. We move on. I think my I think my next question as well is um, wait, who do France have next? It's it's Wales, isn't it? Wales away and Cardiff Wales away. Do you think that France are basically just at this point unstoppable? Obviously. Uh, Scotland at Murrayfield has been a bit of a bogey for them in recent years. Um, do you think they can overcome, you know, basically the Dragons' den? Yeah, I really do. I know, I know the Dragons' den is no easy feat. It's very hard to do, regardless of the team they put out. But I think the problems France had last year, they've clamped down on that, and they're not just there. They're not just looking to be the hosts of the World Cup next year. They're out to be, no, no, we're, we're going to win it in our own backyard, basically. So, yeah. Mm. Um, Murray, I was, I was just going to kind of ask from a, a Scottish point of view, do you think, what do you think was kind of the bigger issue overall in the game? Do you think that not taking opportunities in attack or more kind of just a defence just not up to scratch to be able to, to stop France or maybe a, a bit of both but which do you think um, was was a, more of an issue for, for Scotland? Probably communication was our big issue. There was like there was times that we were attacking and I'm like okay getting the ball rolling it's, it's going nice and then normally how we play something magic would happen and just didn't and then pe- mm. I had people asking me 
if Hogg ha- had caught the ball, do you think that would have like turned the game on its head? I, I don't think so. The way that second half went, I don't. But I don't know. I think there's a lot to work on in the team, and the team that they've got now, they'll definitely have a lot and fix that going forward because we've got early next as well. So yeah. Mm. Um, just one more question. Um, do you think France are going to peak too early? Do you think that this is their peak? Do you think that, you know, maybe next year um, they kind of basically just can't overcome it and basically they just basically just shot themselves in the foot going into their home World Cup? It's hard to say because we always talk about peaking too early when it comes to Ireland. Sorry, Sean. But... <laughs> <laughs> all final, like, all like quarterfinal dumps and then that's just it. Not that's next it. year. Yeah, next year. We'll get to that. <laughs> Plenty of time. Um, it's hard to say with France because obviously France under 20s are doing so well at the moment as well. So you, you're constantly getting that, like those top players in and a brilliant setup from the looks of it. So I'll, I'll say no. I'll say they've not peaked too early. That's fair enough then. But we go on to England against Wales. Right, England versus Wales. Um, apart from maybe Scotland, this is the second match I want to win the most in the Six Nations, purely for bragging rights. Um, you won that one, so it's all good. But anyway, going on to the game, um, <laughs> I think, like, I think again, the first half was pretty dominant. I do think, you know, obviously England were basically just in cruise control at that point. Marcus Smith slotted away four penalties. Um, Liam Williams obviously got the yellow card. Um, I'm pretty sure there were first uh, four first half subs for Wales as well. Um, you know, and uh, to be honest, I didn't watch. Um, I didn't watch the first half, so you know, God knows what that was all about. But um, that's basically what I have to say uh, in terms of uh, in so basically in terms of the first half. I think for the second half, however. Um, you know, Wales really did mount a comeback, and with the amount of of exciting exciting rugby that Wales play, I was scared of it. I was scared of. I, I knew this something like that would happen. Um, luckily, we stayed on um, and obviously got the uh, obviously got the win in the end. But again, I did in my heart and my mouth um, towards the end. I was absolutely shitting myself. Um, but we did it. Fair enough. Um, I think. I think one thing I have to take away from it, um, I think England were very good, but I do think that Wales may have gifted us some penalties. I mean, again, Marcus Smith had, had seven uh, had seven place kicks from penalties. Um, yeah. He missed one, but scored six of them. Um, you know, and just a team can't give away that many penalty kicks in a game realistically because, you know, when you've got a kicker like Marcus Smith, he can just pile on points. Um, so I think that's something to do with, uh, I think that's something to deal with in the Welsh camp. But it feels nice knowing that they've got the bad discipline, not us this year. So uh, I'd like to congratulate the England team on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I think also, um, just to touch on as well, I do think that two monster players for us, Marcus Smith and Maro Toji, um, they really shone through. Um but I was discussing this earlier. Obviously, as good as Marcus Smith is, and as good as Maratoji is, even I, I, I don't know whether to say that Maratoji is kind of carrying our whole second row 
because you know when he starts in the five five or four jersey it's you know whoever else is always a massive question because you know you think back in the uh in the last five years maybe we've had about five or six different names all all vying for that jersey you know johnny hill joe launchbury charlie yules nick azike yeah they've all they've already been looking for it so i think if we're talking about in terms of selection and in terms of um, just finding someone to kind of fit that role. I think we have got to really look for it because Maratoji is an absolute monster. His work rate is unreal. You know, he's, he's amazing at the breakdowns. He's amazing, he's amazing in defence. But ultimately, he is kind of taking the credit for the whole second row. He is almost playing as two second rows, which is maybe why I haven't rated any other England second row, purely because Mara is basically just stealing their job. Fair enough. Um, uh- but I think uh, at the end of the day, um, moving back onto the game, I think England did enough to get themselves over the line. I don't think it was the greatest win, um, but, you know, a win to win, four points is four points. Um, helps us in the championship. So 100%, I'm happy. I'm, 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 I'm happy with it. And obviously I've got bragging rights over our good friend Simeon, so that's always a plus. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um where does Ben Young's rank amongst the all-time greats for England now? Because he has now the most capped England player of all time with 115. I'd say I still rate him very highly. Um, you know, I, as someone who's been playing scrum off this season, Ben Young's has definitely been one of the players I've been watching more. Um, he is incredible. He is an incredible player, and especially throughout his throughout you know history. Um, to think that you know he scored not one of his more iconic tries for England was how many years ago? Eleven years ago in the 2011 World Cup, which is which is mental to think I was only about you know five, six, seven that time. Yeah, which is kind of which almost shows his longevity, and I think that's probably what's um, been keeping him over the line. Um, I genuinely, you know, Ben Youngs is is one of the England greats, and. I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people miss him when he's gone. I feel like he's one of those players where you can't fully appreciate him until you know there's no more Ben Youngs. Um, so you know, obviously, I'm happy. I'm you know, I'm I'm, st- I'm happy while he's here. But I think we'll. I think if you if you ask me this conversation, maybe in three years' time, he's probably going to be done with rugby. Um, if you ask me again in three years' time, I'd probably say he's he's very much up there with the all-time greats. Fair enough. Do you think Wales were almost back to the, to their best with like Tilipi Falatau back in the mix, and even Alex Cuthbert? Because he was he was immense during the. the I, it's interesting because Falatau, you know, when I was looking at the the Welsh pack, my only real like two names of note were Tame Basham and um, and Falatau. But I knew, but I knew to myself that Falatau obviously had been out for a while of injury. I probably thought he was going to get about one half. But you know he played the full eighty. He, he you know he was an absolute workhorse. Um, so it, it, it was absolutely immense. Um, whereas if Wales were back to their best, I wouldn't say back to their like best. Um, I think they're still. I think what's different between the England transition, and the Wales transition is England are basically just planting new seeds, and Wales are basically just trying to. F- fit in the puzzle pieces and the missing gaps. If you get my analogies, basically. Um, yeah. I, th- I think I think Wales are just 
basically just having a reshuffle, finding what's out. Obviously, they've been plagued by injury. Um, but I think I think I think the Wales, the way that Wales played um, yesterday was immense. So I've got I've got to hand them. Well, that's fair enough. Sean, you got any? Yeah, um, <laughs> this is going to come off as a bit loaded, um, oh, but uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get. Don't worry, there, there, there will a question will follow, and hopefully, should be related to what I'm about I'm to say. Tired, but, mate, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am, and just to preference what I'm going to say this is kind of just my opinion but I will follow it up with a question on what your opinion on it is my thoughts watching England specifically especially their attack um, yesterday was that it was fairly boring to watch um, I, I I felt like that their attack didn't have a lot of uh, oh, look I'm sorry Harry but I felt their attack just it's it wasn't fine, just very shoot me, it's all good <laughs> No, but genuinely, I wish I could say it differently, but like their their attack seemed very kind of one dimensional. Not that I'm saying it's a bad thing. I mean, they won the game in the end, um, and I know that boring or not doesn't matter. It's all about just getting results, and they got a results. They kicked their penalties. Marcus Smith was 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 brilliant on that front. Um, like their game management worked. But I know that Eddie Eddie Jones, he's <laughs> he he's open in the media about being very focused on getting results in the World Cup. Um, do you think? This is the first part of the question. Do you think that maybe he's not showing his full hand in a, in a sense, like as a Six Nations? And then, with following up with that, do you think England, like, do you find England personally boring as a, as an England fan? Um, as your first question, like, is he playing his full hand? I obviously think that injuries play a big part in it. Um, you know, to think that we've we've been forced mainly to play a lot of young lads who. They've been deserving the England Cup uh, call-up for quite a while, but you know the squad depth, I'd say, could be a could be a lot deeper. Um, you know, if we had mainly our full talent. I mean, to be honest, like four of our first choice twelves are out with injury, mm. which is just which I just think at the end of the day, like you know, the twelve jersey is really up for grabs um, at the moment. But um, I think. We are we are yet to see probably the best from England, and I think that this year is maybe just an experimentational year going into next year. Um, definitely just trying out some new talent on a bigger stage. Obviously, you know he, he tried them out during the summer. Um, you know, kind of filtered them in during the autumn. I think on a stage like the Six Nations, it's usually you know it's really a, a good place to sort of get the best out of the international young talent. But I think. Again, let's just look at it in one way. Like we're gonna um, hopefully, you know, come next year, come next year, Six Nations, we should have a fairly deep squad with you know some of the young and old talent. And basically, I'm just hoping that Eddie can spice it up, just get a little bit of everything in. Um, in terms of anything in the boring, last oh, yeah, yesterday was was a bit different. I think with with Wales. Um, Wales probably were the best team sort of on the pitch, in my opinion. Um, obviously, they lost, and I think that might be purely down to discipline. Um, hmm. You know, again, as I said, they can't just give away seven kickable penalties. Um, but I don't know. I think, as an England fan, I don't think England are truly boring. I do think that, like, you know, give us a give us a fully loaded squad and we can make something happen. We've got some really exciting players. We've got, you know, Marcus Smith is a, is a really exciting young playmaker. If we play someone like Rafi Quirk at nine, even 
you know, he's he's a very exciting creating scrum half. Um, mm. you know, Tuolagi and Slade, I think, is probably our best center combo. Um, having someone in like maybe Adam Radwan, I think Jack Knoll gives a very different interpretation of wings, something we definitely don't have enough of. Um, you know, um, Freddie Stewart is incredible. I, just, I, I, I honestly just want to put that out there. He's an incredible man. Um, I don't think we're boring, but I do think that yesterday was maybe just a bit of a full showing. Yeah, that's, I mean, that makes sense. Um, also, just last question for me as well is after kind of, I know, as you said, it's it's only one result in a, in a, it's only a small sample size of what England are potentially capable of, but let's say just considering their performance and maybe the result, you even said it there that you thought Wales were the better team overall. Would you be, are you maybe more or less confident going into the game with France, uh, considering the performance and the result against Wales in the final weekend, obviously against France? France, I, to be honest, I've kind of given up on. If we're going to be like brutally honest, I've kind of given up on France. Um, yeah. You know, I, obviously Ireland will be will be you know our biggest test yet. I think in the, in the Six Nations. Um, this year, um, but I do think with home advantage, we could we do have the chance to make it tight. Yeah, yeah. But France, I think it's just going to be a bit too far out of our reach. That's my brutal honest opinion. Yeah, that was very fair. Yeah. But anyway, uh, on to our opponents for next round: Ireland versus Italy. Sean, take it away. Hey. Um, yeah, just focusing kind of on the whole Irish performance first before we get into the nitty gritty of what happened. Um, <laughs> <You think? laughs> yeah, um, I think I think Ireland were a little bit inaccurate at times. I think um, like I think Ireland will probably be a little bit disappointed in, in kind of the the period, especially directly following um, the red card, um, especially when we had a two man advantage um, and maybe 10 minutes into this 10, 15 minutes into the second half, that kind of period was very lulled. Um probably I mean look we did score two tries was it before half time like but I think I saw I read somewhere that it was the best away performance by Italy against Ireland um since 2014 in terms of the result like it was the smallest margin. Um so I think like and you consider that Ireland had a two man advantage. I mean I know it's only one small thing but like um Ireland were a little bit like I think it kind of looked a little bit such shell shocked. Um like, like, it, like they had, <laughs> yeah, big words. Yeah. I, I think, uh, like they had so much space. They knew they had, there was always so much space that they were nearly getting rid of the space by trying to just throw it wide. And Italy were drifting very well. Whereas I think we probably should have gone up the middle a bit more and then went wide. It's just a small thing, but and I think it's, it's like I know we we've had this conversation a million times before, but. When Sexton came on, he was brilliant. His the structure he gave was like excellent, and it. It's it's amazing to watch. Like he literally is the Tom Brady of rugby. Like it's amazing, but at the same time, it like Carberry was good. Like, but he wasn't excellent. And like in a game against Italy, you kind of need to be excellent. His place kicking was a bit off Carberry's today, um, and his game management was okay. But like as I said, what the two man advantage probably shouldn't have been, should have been better. Um, but Sexton was brilliant. Josh Vanderfleer absolutely deserving a man of the match. Um, but look at at the end of the day, look a fifty one point win. You can't really be too negative. Like I mean, look at despite a few players being a little bit quieter than normal, a win is a win. We have the full points, however it is, full bonus point win. Um, Italy didn't score a try, so I think you can't be too um, can't be too agreed. I feel sorry for Italy, I mean, with the whole, if we want to get onto that now with the whole referee thing. Yeah, go um, on. Let's make it spicy. Yeah, we, we can each have our own input on this, but I'll, I'll give a quick um, 
um, description of what happened for the for the viewers. So basically, Italy's hooker broke his arm in the first few minutes and had to go off. Uh, and then was it like ten or fifteen minutes later, the sub hooker he uh, got red carded. I think it was a fair red card. I think um, he got red carded, and then because of the law, I forgot. I don't know what the exact um, name of the law or what number it is. Three point two point something. Yeah, three point two. I'll, I'll be, I'll be um, looking at the whole rubric for that one. <laughs> yeah. So basically, he had to. Um, they had to reduce the player when it came to came to scrums. They had to drop an extra player. Um, and the reason behind it is is so that teams don't make take advantage of the fact that even even let's say forget that there was a red card if two player two front row players were injured, that you could just go to contested scrums for the rest of the game. So if you're getting pummeled um, in the scrum, you're guaranteed possession every time. And I mean, when you consider it, it kind of makes sense. But in the context of this game, I mean, like literally, there was no hope for Italy. Like I mean, even one man disadvantage was a big ask for Italy. But two men, I mean, that was a lot. And then obviously by the end of the by the end of the game. Exactly, with the yellow card. So, I mean, it was impossible. Like, I mean, people say red card room games, but then when you add on another player had to go off at the same time just for that one red card, it's a bit unfair. So um, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that, lads. I think for me, like... I think for me, like, you know, I think we can all relate in the fact that, you know, we were completely confused knowing that 13 men had to be on the field. Um... You know, and I think after, you know, after we got to half time and Brian Driscoll, he explained it perfectly. Don't get me wrong. I think he, he did really well. But I also do think that it might have been the the referee's duty to communicate it better with the players and maybe the commentator's duty to commentate, uh, to basically just test better as the fans. Um, you know, because I saw I saw these little tables and grades put up by Murray Kinsella, but at the end of the day, like it doesn't tell us sort of why, it just tells us what basically. Um, and Brian Driscoll explained it perfectly. It's basically so um, you don't have it's, it's basically just to give Ireland the advantage back in the forwards, um, obviously, because they're not getting tired, um, they're not tiring, tiring bodies out in scrums. Basically, um, I don't know. I just think, as well as the referee did today, and fair enough to him, like he did a good shift. Um, I do think that there could have been better communication between him and the players, basically just as to why, you know, um, obviously uh, Italy's captain was quite vocally upset about it. Um, but I think, like, again, fair enough. He had every right to be. Um, but I don't know. I think the fact that sort of no one knew about this rule, um, it was basically unheard of. And basically no one even stopped to just let us know what and why. Um, I think that's basically the main reason I'm upset with it. But the the law's in place for a reason. But yeah, um, actually, Murray, oh. sorry, just before you go on as well, I just want to say, as Harvey mentioned, I thought the referee had a, a pretty good game. I thought he was very good for a young referee. Um, I, I thought he, like, uh, apart from the communication thing, which also wasn't kind of his fault because he was kind of he was kind of losing either way because he was going to have to deliver bad news to Lamaro, even if he could explain it properly. Uh, so I, I just felt he had a very good game. So uh, I know Simeon will be proud of that because he's friends with him on it's Facebook actually, or something. Uh, so. <laughs> it's George's debut in the Six Nations. So yeah, so fair play to Nika Amish Kelly. If I'm saying that right, probably not. <laughs> fair play to him. His Georgian knowledge is amazing. That's why. <laughs> I mean, at least one ref did well this weekend. For the most part, <laughs> but um, no, I think the real. I think like you said, hard that it's hard for the referee to, because all I heard when I was watching it was 
Michelle Amaro was like, so we've lost a man, and now you're asking me to lose another man and play the whole game with 13. And the ref basically just said, yeah, that's the law. And there was like no explanation. I'm like, go and run that by me, please, because I'm messing up it. And then obviously me and you were speaking mm. throughout the game hard. Pretty much like justice for Italy the whole time we were talking. But yeah, I, I feel bad for Italy. Basically, you know, I, I've kind of adopted them as a second nation, to be honest. Um, you know, I, 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 of course, I'd love to see, I, I would love to see Italy win a game. And obviously, I was kind of backing Italy a little bit here. But I don't know. I do think that for as well as they've been playing a result like this, I think it's a little bit overshadowed with slight unfair. Um, obviously, you know, a red card's a red card and 14 men is the punishment you pay for it. But, you know, to be down to 12 men at the end of the game, you know, you're three, you, you know, you're three down, uh, three men down, sorry. Um, you know, against a team that, to be honest, are much better than you is almost just completely rampant. And I don't think we've seen, you know, anything that destructive in quite a while. Yeah, it must be demoralizing like for a team like Italy who are, as you said, like 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 they're they're not at the same strength in Ireland. Like, you know, you lose one player is demoralizing enough, but then you have to lose two just because of that one act is that must be fairly gutting on the pitch. But even so, I, I you know to say that they are improving, and I have said that they are improving, but you know it kind of almost just puts that to nothing in this game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's always an Italy game where there's a rule that just comes up that no one knows, and it's always an Italian game. I feel like Italy are just like you know they've got like some mics in their ears and they just are seeing to exploit exploit like different rules. It's just like exactly. how you tell the fans what this one means. But I mean now. now <laughs> Now we have got, that with a microphone or something like that. It's just... <laughs> now, now we have got the sad start of it has been two thousand five hundred and fifty six days since Italy last won the Six Nations. Fucking hell! Yeah. And they're gonna beat Wales. Yes. Be the spaghetti. I used to hope so. Anyway. Yeah, I hope so. I've made a bet with someone. I've made a bet with someone over it, so I can't really lose it now. <laughs> Good. I mean, you've already lost a bet this this year, anyway. So it's like, at least the camera wasn't on at that point, so I don't have to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've always got the picture though. It's all good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, there has been other news around the world of rugby, away from the Six Nations. Still sticking with internationals, but we go to the Women's World Cup qualifier. The last game, one team left to get in, and it's Scotland! Scotland women, absolutely dominant over Colombia, 59 points to three. What an effort. Well done to Helen Nelson, Lisa Thompson, Ronna Lloyd. I could go on and on, but well done to the ladies. They've done bloody well, and they've got a whole country crowd. Actually... Before we go any further, fair play to them because they played, I think it was Friday 3 p.m. here in Dubai, like 3 p.m. time here in Dubai. They then got on a flight to Glasgow on a bus to Edinburgh and they were at Murrayfield yesterday at half time doing a lap of honour. Fair play to them. I think yeah, uh, to be honest, I think it's a good advert for the women's game as well in Scotland, where obviously the six the women's six nations is probably a, a larger gap than the men's. Um, you know where you know you've got your your England, your Italy's, and um, your France's in the women's who are 
basically sort of your top threes every year and Wales, um, Wales, Ireland and Scotland have kind of been left for dust in the women's game. But I think it's a really good advert as well and probably will help Scottish rugby in the women's game. Um, but yeah, just to get World Cup experience is just immense anyway. So well done to the, well done to the girls. Yeah, first time in 12 years. Oh, wow. Unreal. I generally didn't know that until after the game. I was like, that can't be right. <laughs> but yeah, there you go. Well, I'm going to move on to something, uh, you know, still sticking with this kind of World Cup qualification theme. Uh, the Rugby Europe Championship, obviously, some know it as like the second tier of the Six Nations. Um, basically, uh, to qualify for the Rugby World Cup um, in the Rugby Europe Championship, the top two go into the World Cup and the third goes into the qualifier in the European qualifiers. Um, but obviously, uh, we know that in the real world, politically, uh, Russia and Ukraine are having a bit of a have a bit of a spat at the moment. And obviously this means that Russia um, were not able to play against Georgia this week. I'm pretty sure the game was in Russia. Um, just a just quick uh, just a quick answer from you lads. I just want uh, I just want to ask you, do you think it's unfair on Russian rugby to be dragged into this? Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure with football, um, FIFA are still letting the football team play just without flags, anthems, and badges. Um, nobody, nobody's wanting to play them there's already been a few games like I'm not doing it but I, but I also think that you know they're entering themselves as the Russian football union instead of just Russia yeah mm. so I think I, I, I think if rugby follows the same step sort of entering themselves as a separate union not as a not as a federation um, you know it might make a bit more sense it might sort of just separate them from basically just disassociate them with what's going on at the moment in the real world it's kind of um, like the olympics as well isn't it because well, yeah russia, obviously russia got banned and it was russian uh, olympic Committee. yeah yeah I, th- this is just my answer though do you think it's unfair that the players you know the players obviously want to represent their country um you know they want to qualify for the world cup do you think it's fair based unfair do you think they're just being dragged into this and basically just not being allowed to play like everyone else yeah, yeah. I think Absolutely. they're just labelled with the same stick, really. So, yeah, not yeah. great. Yeah. If we're talking I think about... think for... Yeah. Sorry, I think um, it is unfair on, like, the players, obviously. It's not their, like, it's not their doing that, you know, all this politics is going on and they have to suffer for it. Like, I don't think kicking a team out of a competition just because they are associated with their country is, is a very fair way of doing it. It's not fair in that way. But, like, the solution that you said of moving away from a, from a federation... Um, it probably sounds like a good solution. That's fair enough. Obviously, uh, the Rugby Europe Championship is taking place. Um, Spain with a quite convincing win over Romania today and Portugal absolutely thrashing the Netherlands. So uh, I think uh, Portugal and Georgia are main two, basically, just to go through to the World Cup. It'll be exciting to see Portugal again, I think. Um, I need a Portugal top. I know know where you can get one, but I don't know if you want to fork out 71 quid, so... (laughs) <laughs> nah, I'm all right. Now nah, we're all good. Um, I'll put more you... news. Go on. So, Super Rugby Pacific, we're in week two, proper into the tournament now. Blues versus Hurricanes. Now, it was Roger Tuvasashek's debut. I think he did all right, quite well. Didn't score, but did the job. Blues were winning 32 14 with 10 minutes to go. Full time, oh. Blues 32, Hurricanes 33. Bloody hell, 
What, what a game. What a finish. Ardi Savio. Yeah, Ardi Savio. Lead him up from the front. Captain Marvel. You name it. He's He is fantastic. But the man that stole all the thunder this week. Breakthrough player of the year, Will Jordan. Now, I don't know if you boys have seen it, but his try against the Highlanders, it was a cheat code. He got, the, he got a cheeky little offload from George Bridge, passed two defenders with ease, stepped the third, the fourth held on to him, and the legs just started pumping, and he got over the try line. I'm like, how? Like, how? He is incredible, though. It's just beautiful to watch him watch. Uh, to watch him play, even. Watch him watch. <laughs> um, uh, I'll quickly just go back to international rugby. And something uh, I think we forgot to mention last week, um, obviously um, there was talk earlier um, this month about a certain nation replacing uh, Italy in the Six Nations. However, I see Six Nations denied um, any sort of movement to their shareholders. Um, South Africa in, Italy out. No. How how strongly are your guys' opinions about this, basically? Very. Don't, don't do it. It's quite, it might be a selfish reason, but I'd rather spend £30 on a Ryanair flight to, to Rome than spend three grand on a flight to Johannesburg. Oh, 100% same, because Rome is... I, I, I do think that Rome is probably one of the best away days, in my opinion, anyway. This is nothing against South Africa. I'd still like to go. But, but just, I think for me, like, because the Six Nations has always been, you know, classic, you know, the, the European talents, basically. Yeah. Um, obviously, the home nations plus France and Italy. Um, I think, obviously, the main driving force of this is probably the South African teams in the in the uh, URC. Um, I never really fancied the idea in the first place. Um, but obviously, the URC is now South Africans, basically, just their main league. Um, so I don't know. I think it's it, 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 it's difficult, but um, I don't know. Um, yeah. But to have South Africa and the Six Nations, it just wouldn't feel proper anymore. I don't. I don't reckon. No, just on that for me as well. Uh, I completely agree with you as well about the Six Nations, a whole European thing. But I, I also look at it from another angle as well. I I consider the World Cup and the World Cup knockout stage, and, and I think about. The semi-finals and how many teams realistically have a, a very a decent chance of making the semi-finals. I know Ireland are typically not in that, but uh, for for the sake for the sake of of just for argument's sake, I think there are only realistically about seven or eight teams who realistically every World Cup have a chance of making it to the semi-finals, and I think that includes the five teams from uh, ex- excluding Italy, unfortunately, um, from the six from the Six Nations. Sorry, Harry, <laughs> five teams from the Six Nations, obviously New Zealand. Australia and South Africa and then like I, I think it's special in the World Cup the fact that you don't really play those three teams that often like you play them in the World Cup they're massive games you, you play them in November internationals they're good games they're competitive competitive but they're not part of a competition um, and whereas if you, if you South Africa moved to the Six Nations you're just kind of getting rid of that like you know you're increasing familiarity and you're getting rid of that kind of like you know what's what's seldom is wonderful kind of thing you know you're going to be playing them more often even so, like, you know, playing, um, you know, teams you know in the World Cup, that almost feels special in itself, right? Uh, mm. I'm pretty sure you guys can relate when Ireland and Scotland played last World Cup. You know, that yeah, kind of, that Cup as well. kind of felt a bit of a bigger game. Um, only because, you know, yeah. you have to play each other every year 
it's just another reason for bragging rights, basically. Yeah, yeah. Because basically, basically every game in the Six Nations is a rivalry. You know, you've got to look at it like that. You know, all these teams are so close. Well, at least for England it is, because everyone hates us. But, you know, because everyone's just sort of so close, everything is a rivalry. But even with these teams, like you just said, you know, they are, you do, these games don't come around often. So it you do trust them a bit, a bit more. I remember, yeah. you know, obviously I remember last year's World Cup, not last year's, 2019's last World Cup. Um, obviously, um, I remember the semi-final against New Zealand, waking up for that. And again, we don't play New Zealand very often. Um, you know, we play them once every about three, four years in Autumn Internationals. And then, you know, we played them in the World Cup and that was just a, a special match in itself. Um, you know, it's one that's always going to be in my heart. Um, but I think mainly because, you know, we beat New Zealand, a team that basically just sort of looked unreachable. And especially because we don't get to play them very often. That's why it became special. So I think, obviously, if if South Africa joined, it would increase the familiarity. But I do have to say, I would feel sorry for Italy, mainly because they are shareholders. They, you know, they are improving the under-20 side massively as well. Um, and... To be honest, you basically just kill off for Italian rugby if, if South Africa joined. Yeah. yeah. Sticking with the, what you said there about early improving, <clears throat> obviously when the news broke, we all did videos on it, on the matter. Um, somebody, I think I pinned a comment on my video. Somebody made a very good point. So obviously, way back when, it used to just be the four home nations. And then like 1910 or something, France got added. France didn't win a game until 1923. So that's 13 years. They didn't win their first title until 1950-something. So, yeah. It does take time and, you know, time to improve. Italy are, you know, a nation that's fairly new to rugby, if you think about it. You yeah. know, they joined, they joined in 2000 and they've, they've had 11 wins in their 20 years. But, you know, you think about... You, know, you think about how big those wins too were to them. I'm pretty sure their first win came against Wales in 2000. No, they beat Five Nations champions us because of course they beat us. <laughs> the last game they beat you as well. That's uh, me. <laughs> no, so um, I, I, again, I just think it'd be unfair in Italy if um, yeah, if they were basically unfairly knocked out for you know for financial reasons. Um, but I just want to touch on a part one thing. Um, there was talk in the week um, about uh, Premiership Rugby B teams joining the Championship, um, which then changed to is there's going to be a, like a mini league or a cup competition that is going to be Championship teams plus Premiership B teams. Um, lads, do you think it's good for the development of rugby or do you think it's just a complete nonsense? I think it's good for the Especially if you could make it more like the younger players, not just, mm. not like an A team. I know that's because it's not technically the first team. Because I'm sure I've seen that a few times. Like you see, like when Saracens are in the championship versus the British Nile yeah. Line. Just like, the squad. like when, <laughs> when uh, Saracens were in the championship and they're against like Rotherham and you've got Sean Maitland starting on the line. I'm like, does Sean Maitland need that? Like, well, no, it's, it's, exactly. You know, they're playing the likes of Doncaster, Nottingham, Amptill, yeah. Bedford oh. Blues. No, the I'm pretty sure Bedford Blues. They've got no stands, and you've got to walk through a forest to get to the, to the ground. Oh, sign me up. So, 
I mean, you know, th- this is the quality of rugby they're playing. All I'm saying is, if you want to include, uh, if you want to, you know, improve rugby lower down the English system, I'd say move, um, basically just work around the Six Nations, include a, include a break, basically, um, when the Six Nations isn't on. There's, that means there's no, there's no real needs to have that deeper squad. You can loan players out, you can sell players to championship squads. That helps them. It narrows the gap. Bish, bash, bosh. You're getting yourself a more competitive rugby system that's it I mean definitely lots to talk about and things to look forward to but that's us we go back to club rugby again next week it's the final break of the Six Nations and then it's full speed ahead again but we'll be back covering URC Prem Super Rugby Top 14 and Sean's going to have funny looks it's got to be the MLR uh, yeah, can, can I just uh, can I just briefly have a quick uh, mention on the on MLR and actually it was something really quickly on the top fourteen as well. Um, just on the top fourteen, um, something that it's only a small thing uh, that's fresh in is that um, Toulouse have ended their six game losing streak. Uh, the champions, obviously, and uh, and the Champions Cup champions. Um, so they beat Bordeaux by a point tonight. Actually, the game only finished about half an hour ago. Twelve uh, eleven. Bordeaux are top of the table. Toulouse are seventh, actually, which is fairly low um, by their standards. Um, and yeah, Toulon are actually, I think they're one place off relegation. So they're still as crap as ever. Yeah, which is nice that, last that is that is poor by yeah. that. <laughs> it, it is, it is. Um, and then also just MLR really quickly. Um, the Dallas Jackals, obviously, they're a new franchise um, in Major League Rugby this season. Obviously, they were meant to join last year. They was put back due to like financial constraints, readiness constraints, whatever you want to say. They had their first home game last week against the Houston Sabercats. Uh, it was decided at the death. Uh, 38 33 Houston won it at the end but I think from what I heard it was the highest um, attendance of a home team in their first game of the season if that makes sense with three and a half thousand which isn't bad I mean I know the premiership when teams start out in the premiership they had similar attendances like so I mean I think that's only up from here for major league rugby hopefully yeah fair enough I could just see you grinning because I know I back as well Sean so we're glad that you're happy the happy boy. Yeah, I am happy. A happy boy here. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this has been Rugby Connection. Be sure to go and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. I think you follow us on Spotify. Click the notification bar. Get them the notifications for new episodes and new interviews because we're going to be bombarding you with a lot of stuff in the next few weeks. But yeah, follow, like, share. Get the word out there. But we will definitely see you next time on Rugby Connection.